0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network.
1: We are back at the start of a new day, literally at the start of a new day, recording this in real time. We're gonna be here for a very long day, as it is 7 a.m. on day four of 24. Uh, yay! Woo hoo! very abruptly
0: that was the <laughs> Audience, just shut up. And you're like, well, we're, yeah, we're, all right.
1: I'm like, well, we're we're very enthusiastic, but for a limited period of time. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's only, the only excitement you're allowed in this episode. <laughs> Done. Shut up, audience.
1: Uh, but uh, this is at the start of day four, the first ever reboot of 24, and uh, it's going to be exciting because it's a new season and Jack's off heroin. That's what we. Take to get excited. No heroin. This is a no heroin podcast going forward, Ben.
0: Well, um, you can. That's your choice, Colin. (laughs) I've got my own choices in life and I will live with them.
1: See, we would have had Noah on this episode, but we had to let him go. Yes. Mostly because of the heroin. We put
0: him down. We put him down. down. (laughs) He's gone to sleep. He's gone to live on a farm upstate. Has Noah? Finally. Good for him.
1: Uh, uh, Here we are 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Uh, an episode written by Joel Sternow and Michael Losef and directed by Jon Kassar. And it aired January 9th, 2005, which seems like an odd time in 2005 to premiere a season. But uh, there's a reason for it, which we'll uh, talk about throughout the episode here. My name is Colin. And as usual, Ben, we can't hear you.
0: And my name is Ben. And I can find my own fucking job, Colin. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Where's the bleep? Where's the bleep Oh, effect? sorry. Uh, television.
0: This is uh this is, you know, what what can I say? This is the Kiefer effect. I can find my own <laughs> fucking job, Aaron. Thank you. Um but no, not in the prequel. In the prequel, Jack and swear. So that's allowed. There we
1: go. We, we, we're getting the prequel out of the way now before Ben starts to bleep himself. Yeah, so go uh, but- yourself. <laughs> go beat myself what go. was that i
0: don't like the sensor button i i like to actually <laughs> fucking swear so go <laughs> fuck you fucking self Just don't <laughs> don't start me with the buttons already colin we're we're, we're being a, a mature podcast this evening no farts allowed
1: I, I was gonna say i'm glad that you didn't fart over your your cursing uh, yes this week. exactly uh yeah this is uh this is a whole new 24 in a lot of ways and uh as we kind of alluded to already there's a little prequel that we're going to talk about. This is, this is the first time they did a prequel. They didn't do one of these for season three. No, did this they? is
0: uh, the very first time they do this for three seasons. Um, and well, I, again, redemption, I guess technically is a prequel. So four Pretty seasons. Long one. Yes. Uh, we get a couple of, a couple of prologues and some of them are weird. Some of them are necessary. Some of them are just okay then. Uh, but no, this is the first time they ever did it. And, uh, I, I we can talk about it in a minute, but I vividly remember when it came out and, uh, it was very exciting times to be a 24 fan when all this was dropped.
1: Yeah. Now I don't know if this was released before the season online or something. If it was, it was. I didn't see it. Yeah. Cause I, my first exposure to this would have been when the DVDs were out. Um, but uh, that's one thing we're going to talk about. And then I guess the, the other one being the fact that they're now starting a season in January, which uh, was very unusual at the time. I'm trying to think of my timeline here. This would have, this would have been before lost started doing that as well. And, I guess the thinking was let's try to get as many of these episodes aired back to back or literally in this case, the entire season airing back to back. So we don't have to have people take three weeks off when we're doing a real time serialized format. Uh, And they went one up even from that and said, we're going to do a two night four episode premiere. So this and episode two both aired on the same nights and then episodes three and four aired uh, on the following night. Um, lots of changes in 24. And it's so funny because we talked in season one about this going with a serialized format and how that had never been done on American television before. And now here we are 20 years later, and this is almost every show. I mean, the the most procedural shows out there will still have a little bit of that serialized format, two of them. And it used to be mid-season. That was the dumping ground for the bad shows. The Simpsons even used to parody it you know, the countdown to mid season shows and it's like Admiral baby and whatever else is the stuff that <laughs> was a good. baby. <laughs> Great show. <laughs> Who doesn't love Admiral baby? Uh, but, uh, now mid season is kind of a big deal. And, uh, when, when you hit January, that's when we have a lot of the shows that, uh, we're, we're going to try to maintain your excitement all the way through to the finale of. So two things they really did that hadn't been done in television before they, they had a prequel leading into the show and they, uh, changed their time slot and really made mid-season a big deal
0: yeah and this is something that 24 basically did right through to the end of its run is have this two night four hour premiere they did this with every season even for live another day they did sort of two episodes in one night when that premiered obviously it's a half season didn't do it for redemption there's a reason why they did that because it's shit. but um uh, not redemption. Sorry, live another day. Uh, thank you. Yeah, leg- legacy. Whatever the fuck the damn thing is called, <laughs> who gives a shit about that one? I just watched it a week ago, and God, it's terrible. But um, yeah. So this was obviously the start of something, and I and I vividly remember this being a very long wait, which is hilarious mm-hmm. when we get to season seven. Uh, how yeah. long we waited for season seven? But yeah, um, obviously generally we only have like what six months, if that. No, May to September, so four months basically uh, a yeah. wait. Whereas this was from May through to January. Uh, I mean, the positive was, of course, that there was no such thing as a week off, essentially, between this. And I'm pretty sure season four was the last season I ever watched on TV live. Um because I'm pretty sure from season five onwards I may have acquired it a certain way that was quicker <laughs> to my uh, portable devices, as was the way in 2006. So I'm pretty sure this was also the last season I was able to watch like on airing, which I think in Australia we had it pretty around about the same time. But yeah, that wait was was huge. And yeah, I definitely remember it being dropped online, the prequel, because I had dial-up internet. So you tried downloading a six-minute video clip in 2005 on dial-up, it took <laughs> you like three weeks. Um, so yeah. And I, I obviously knew that we had Kim Raver in it. She just left my favorite show to go into my second favorite show, uh, all the hype around it, sort of the, and I remember this is, what I think when I really started going to go into 24, like fan forums back in the day, like forums, live journal, whatever I used to be on. And, mm-hmm just the news about it, talking about this sort of soft reboot and all this kind of stuff that happened with it. So this is, I think, when I really just like took off on just really being involved in everything online and it was, it was a long wait. And I remember that prequel dropping and just loving every second of it. It was great. But I think it was mainly included as a season three DVD featurette and yeah. uh, hence the swearing. And um, obviously it was online because I definitely saw this online at some point.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I'd even seen the the season three special features. In fact, I can think of the timeline right now when the season three special feature, when I was able to watch it, and it wasn't my copy. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was either my brother's copy or my brother-in-law's copy because he got really into 24 throughout season four. And I'm pretty sure after season four aired, that's when he got the season three DVD and I was able to watch this the first time. Uh, but uh, we quickly talk about what this prequel is. The prequel basically just sets up everything that's going to be talked about in this episode. So it's funny now to hear you say, yeah, you know, I loved every minute of this. Having not seen the show, I could imagine why, because the trailers, all they really reveal is that Jack's moved on from CTU, you yeah. know, and, and they introduce, uh, it's a lot of stuff from that first scene with Audrey, which, uh, well, the tra- well, we'll talk about that scene in a bit. I <laughs> have some Aww. issues with it, but. Uh,
0: Get off this but, show.
1: <laughs> but, uh yeah, being able to see this prequel and actually know, okay, scene one, Aaron Driscoll, new director of CTU brings Jack in. Uh, he's basically like, Hey, you're settling in. Yes. By the way, you're fired. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and what I find funny about it is that they address everything, you know, because uh, we talked about throughout all season three, if you're going to fire Jack Bauer, you know, the heroin is definitely a problem, but how about the secret operations and basically lying to the president and sneaking people out of prison and, and uh, going overseas and killing people. that Kidnapping somebody
0: from prison and shipping them off to another country. You know, the most wanted man in America, but Tony committed treason. He's in jail. That's right. He's the
1: real problem. And we could have had Jack as a drunk beaten women uh, (laughs) in this season, but instead he's a happy man. But uh, we basically get his firing and then scene two, is uh, setting up, uh, what is it, uh, Thomas Chirac here. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess, first henchman that we get introduced throughout this season. And it's just him crossing the border and blowing up a car. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, I'm, I'm here. I made it to America. Uh, the land of the free, the home of the brave. Oh, say
0: <laughs> can you
1: see. <laughs> oh, say can you see. What is that? I'm trying to picture it. There's The American National uh, oh, Anthem. Say- <laughs> no, no, I know what the hell. <laughs> that. Might have heard of it, it a few
0: times. I, I don't know. um no, I, I think it's
1: <laughs> saving Private Ryan when they're about to kill a German soldier and he's basically pleading for his life. And he goes, "I love America," and he starts trying to sing the national anthem. Oh, say can you see? Oh, say can you see? Oh, say can you? See?
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's scene two. And then, uh, well, it says, I've already forgotten what scene three is, and I watched it about ten minutes Audrey ago. Audrey
0: and Jack fucking. Oh,
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we get Audrey coming into her hotel room. Literally, the woman never turns on her lights, and yeah, she's grabbed behind by a man. And now we know what when Jack said he could find his own job, we know what it is. He's a male escort, and that's <laughs> the end of the prequel. <laughs> Jack's sleeping with women and getting paid for it. Uh, the Shrock is learning the national anthem and driscoll is firing people for heroin but not for treason
0: um i'm saying this now besides redemption which is a prequel and a very good prequel uh this is the best of the three prequels we get um oh i'm looking forward to the others i mean they're not bad the other two are not bad it's just they're kind of both the same jack is in a situation which he can't be found and there's a bit of a tense chase and oh no let's lead into that whereas season six oh, look, Jack's in China and maybe he's escaped. Oh, no, he hasn't. Let's go back to jail, but Jack.
1: I definitely saw the China one.
0: I think, like, the thing that I like about this one is that it's it sets, I think this is the best setup. Like, the other two, I, I mean, all three of the prequels you don't need to watch, but I think that the other two are, you know, to me, pointless. You don't need them, but it's just a cool little bit of Jack action. This, I think, actually sets something up. So I kind of like that bridge here where you've got Jack and Aaron and then you've sort of got, um, you know, Jack and Ki- uh, Kim, well, it's Kim Raver. Uh, <laughs> Whoa. Kim from Third Watch, not Kim in, in you know, this section. <laughs> but um, yeah. and, and Janet the, wasn't available. <laughs> the, the terrorist guy. So I like it. And plus like the famous thing about this one, of course, this is the only time you ever hear Jack Bauer swear. And, cause
1: famous- so th- they don't do this in any of the no, other, no. you know, cause, made for internet.
0: Because fa- famously, damn it, is said because you can't say fuck. So we all know that every time Jack Bow says, damn it, he's actually saying, fuck. So this was done as kind of a, oh, well, we can get away with this. So let's have him do it. And I remember watching this, you know, all that anticipation. You've got this great moment. I'm there like, oh, my God, I'm going to see Kim Raver for the first time in 24, not knowing that he swears. And then I like, I think I round it like 20 times. I'm like, did did Jack just say the F word? Jack doesn't say the F word. You know, he totally would in real life. But so, yeah, I, I think that's what it's known for. But like, it's, it's nice. It's it's the most meaningful of all the prequels, besides I guess Redemption. But yeah, I I like it. Um, and although the only thing I'll say, like, it's what so the season four set eighteen months after season three, so we get this you know whatever it is like straight away. Then it's like a year goes past. So I love how they basically say with uh, Jack and Audrey that it's what six hours before Dave was. This is like one in the morning. Yeah. So one in the morning, they I don't know if Jack fucks for a long time. Well, actually, does he? Remember that in season eight because him and Renee. <laughs> You know, you think Jack would go for a bit longer, but okay. But um, I'm going to give him an hour and a half here. He's a passionate man, so you know he's only getting like three, four hours sleep ahead of uh, another long day. So well, that's saying,
1: yeah, I mean, 7, 10 a.m. They're showered, they're already getting dressed, yeah. you know, partially dressed, and uh, they're almost ready to get out the door. So I'm I'm saying they're awake at six o'clock. You're you're saying. 1 a.m., 2.30, so I'm going to say less. I'm going to say you know, two and a half hours sleep. Jack, Jack Bauer and I are
0: similar men. There we go. I've always wanted to be similar to Jack. I, I live off very limited sleep, so there you go. And lots of sex, so i uh, just saying. <laughs> death <laughs> for, death for breakfast, is... sex, for, sex for dinner, or whatever it is. What does Miranda Frost say? Death
1: <laughs> yeah, for yeah, breakfast. Noah Groves, <laughs> Noah Groves is nothing like Jack Bauer, though. Uh, he, he gets still all the sleep. He date.
0: sleeps a lot. <laughs> yeah. That man sleeps too much. You, you're just in the middle. You, I'm,
1: you know, I'm in the middle of this.
0: <laughs> you get sex every like five years and then you sleep sometimes I, and the kids just, are
1: not playing up I'm not always aware that I've had it That's yeah the other problem <laughs> you wake up the next morning
0: Jamie why are my pants wet nothing <laughs> by the way I'm pregnant good morning
1: <laughs> what are these pills in my orange juice? Uh, that may have happened, uh, but uh, one thing I want to talk about before we get into this, this is the first time we have a major cast up, shakeup. I mean, oh, yeah. at this point, the only actor, who, a regular cast member, who's still in the regular cast is Jack. I mean, we do have Chloe back. It's not a We're cast going member. to have, yeah, Chloe was still a guest star in the first season, and Dennis Haysbert and Carlos Bernard, they're still a couple of episodes away. Uh it's like gonna be uh, Dennis yeah. to
0: like the last four he's, or five episodes like, of the season. 18 yeah. episodes. And,
1: like, yeah. And so we're basically gonna have Tony in a couple weeks, then we're gonna have Michelle, then we're gonna have uh Haysbird after that. Uh but there was a lot of publicity about the fact that again, this is something that's done all the time in television now, but the fact that it was completely recast the show. And I remember a lot of these names them making a big deal and the promotion for it. One more so than other in Canada, which I teased at the end of season two, because I thought it was in season three, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, I guess the big ones, you mentioned Kim Raver. I, I don't think I was quite aware of her. I might've seen one or two episodes of third watch ever, uh, but it's not like I saw Kim Raver in 24 and I'm like, Oh, the one from third watch. <laughs> uh, but there was enough, I, I guess, of a fan base of that show that, as you said, it was a big deal. And, and you, you're telling me she literally left. Like, she's like, okay, I am leaving Third Watch and I've got a new job on 24. It wasn't like they killed her character off and then a couple months later she signed on. She
0: was written out uh, beginning of season six. She was... That was her last episode, which would have been 2004-ish. Um, and, yeah, this was basically the next thing that she did. So, uh, I... A lot of the main cast of Third Watch kind of left in that middle period of season five into season six. She returned for the finale, but when I say return, you see her like in the background of a wedding. Um, mm. But, yeah, so this was pretty much the next thing. And I like—I don't know if she left specifically for this I think it was just more of a case of uh, several of the main cast that left Third Watch were because, like, they really weren't getting much done with their story anymore and Third Watch famously every season never knew if it was coming back every year. So it kind of just was something that just kept getting renewed at the last minute. So I think for her it was a case of, okay, well, you're not really doing much with my character you're kind of forgetting that the paramedics and the firefighters exist in this now just purely cop show so yeah she kind of i think then just switched the focus over to this but yeah i remember when this was cast and when she was announced i just like lost my shit because i'm like holy fuck like are you kidding me i think at first i was like wait she's not third watch anymore who cares she did my second favorite show and then she went on to do graze anatomy but we don't talk about that till a lot later but um yeah we'll see we had her on the show a couple of years ago mm-hmm. to talk about third watch and briefly i think i got like two questions in about 24 at the end and yeah. we've always said like oh we'll get you back on but i mean we were privileged enough to get her on once i don't you know think we can count our chickens to get her again but uh yeah maybe one day we can get her on to talk about 24 as opposed to third watch
1: uh the other two now this is the smallest main cast we have at least for now because some actors are going to be added back in later yeah, they on they change and it some...
0: halfway through this season it's weird including one person yeah. they make a main character for like three episodes oh, wow. and then like let's get rid of her again. <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> yeah but but the main main ones uh so william devane was obviously uh i guess at least recognizable he wasn't you, you know you mentioned Will, william devane's on 24 and people like yes <laughs> finally <laughs> I've been waiting my entire life <laughs> all, all the fan fiction people have written over the years of just William Devane as William Devane on 24 and like we got an idea uh but th- in a weird way this this older actor who'd been recognizable and been around for years he'd been in major movies lots of television shows he, he kind of was at his peak right here because I I remember uh the year 2000 was was hilarious because William Devane was in two movies that came out pretty much back to back and both hit number 1 at the box office. Uh there was Hollow Man he was in with Kevin Bacon, so he's mm-hmm. got a number 1. Yep. And then Space Cowboys, the one with uh which is one of my all-time favorite movies with Clint Eastwood and Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. There you go. He's got a key for number of 2. Yeah. Um and uh, uh Tommy Lee Jones and um uh who's the other guy? James Garner. Uh so he had those two movies literally out back to back. And I remember it was a big deal of time because I think he became the first actor in history, maybe not the first actor in history to knock himself out of the number one spot of the box office, but he had the number one to number two films in a week. And I remember this story and people thought it was just hilarious. Well, William Devane was the number one box office draw in the United States in 2000, uh, because he had these two huge movies that came out back to back. As he should uh, be. But, I mean, he could do it now. Why not? He's William Devane. What a man. Uh, So, yeah, I think he was probably the most recognizable of the actors. And then Alberta Watson, which I want to find what it was, because we talked about season one, the character Alberta Green was named after her because I think she was married to somebody involved with the show. But yet I'm trying to look online to find out who she was married to or why they named the character after her. And I can't find it. But yeah, that was the trivia back in season one, that this actress playing Aaron Driscoll, Alberta Watson, which even here in Canada, you might have seen one or two things she was in, but it's not like she was super famous. Um, They had already named a character after her. And I think it was because they wanted her for a role in season one, maybe, or she was married to someone, one of those two things. Uh, But uh, yeah, those are the main cast members. And then, uh, well, we'll have other ones we'll talk about throughout the season. But the one that I really want to talk about here um, is... (laughs) Ronnie labelle Okay, so as head uh, of field ops, Ronnie right Le- him head of field ops. So Sean Doyle, the actor who plays Ronnie labelle I I had to confirm this with my brother yesterday because I I had this vivid memory and I said it at the end of season two, thinking he was the guy who was in season three, that there was all this publicity here in Canada about Sean Doyle joining Twenty Four. He was Jack Bauer's new partner and. <laughs> The, the new head of field ops. And it, there was so much publicity about this. <laughs> and my brother confirmed it. He goes, yeah, that happened. Like there, there was all this buzz about Sean Doyle. And then we won't spoil too much, but he's not going to be long for this show. We get Ronnie. Oh.
0: <laughs> really? Wow. The esteemed yeah. Canadian who plays Ronnie. i I got to say, like I wasn't well, expecting him to be the one that you're going to be talking about because he's a nobody character.
1: I think what's so strange about this is that 24 was known for Canadian actors. So it's not just, Oh, a Canadian guy on 24 season one, half the cast is Canadian. I mean, half the main cast is Canadian in season one. Uh, in this season, we have, you know, uh, Alberta Watson, another Canadian actor. We have Roger Cross. We have prominent actors, Alberta Watson and Roger Cross, who are both Canadian, who are joining the show and Sean Doe got all of this publicity. Now I think the reason why was because at that time period, he was like, doing really well he had a tv show called the 11th hour which if i could ever find online i actually have some old vhs's that i recorded it and if i can get around to transferring those i'll send you episodes because it was basically a journalism show it was about uh a 2020 or dateline type canadian show and he was one of the producers on it and, and arguably the star of the show uh he'd been nominated for awards so that show was kind of the big canadian drama at the time but he also had really started to break through in American movies. He was the, did you ever see the movie with Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel frequency where it's like a father and oh, son communicating over CB radio?
0: A friend of mine actually it was Trent fucking queen. Um, he used, oh, to, Trent love, queen. He used to like that epi- uh, that movie, but I never watched it. You know, you don't take Trent's opinions for, you know, Oh, well in,
1: in this case, Trent was right. Cause great movie, but Sean Doyle was the villain in that movie. And uh he'd done a couple of other things I think you uh, lost around Lost. you he's in
0: a terrible episode I, of Lost I, Egg Town. That's a terrible episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw that as well. Uh but And uh, Desperate you know, Housewives. Oh. Oh, and CSI.
0: CSI. <laughs> I,
1: I was trying to get excited. I couldn't. Um but uh yeah, like he he was shuffling back and forth, and I guess because he was a big deal at the time, but news stories galore people were getting excited and then he's gone uh meanwhile they could have talked about roger cross or alberta watson but uh yeah that that's the big one and then i I guess let's also add on there the the Eras family uh the funny thing is the the dad nesta serrano who you know i think day after tomorrow that was just before this wasn't it
0: yeah it was around about the same time because there was um And I don't know if it's just Ben being racist, uh, but there was somebody in season three who I thought was him. And then when I realised, okay, it's not him. But then when I saw him... In this, I'm like, oh, okay, he's being cast in this now. So that was kind of like the whole Sarah Winter, sort of Sarah Clark situation, where oh, in yeah. Australia they falsely advertise it. Um, you know, the six days Sarah Clark. I'm like, yeah, wrong actress, ladies and gentlemen. And then they get it right for season two. So um, mm. yeah, and then uh, I'm gonna butcher her name. Academy. Oh, I'm glad
1: you Academy
0: Award like nominee Shohreh Agdashlu um, Ag- Agadashlu. Agadashlu, she's great I love her though um, yeah. But we're obviously uh, Very close to having When they mentioned Debbie She's a big star nice. now When we get to her shortly So you know Don't spoil that And Tep, Wait till we get Imotep in this Yeah You know Lots of big names in this And Natalie Portman's ex-boyfriend And The OC's Guy who Marissa kills <laughs> Ryan's brother Trey uh, Logan Marshall Green You know Can't yeah. forget him as well Lucas Haas, by the way, is Natalie Portman's ex. We're on close. Yeah, he was the Mars
1: Attacks kid.
0: So they're one of the two people who survived, basically Mars Attacks. So at the end, if you remember, uh, he's like the like the brother. I think Jack Black's like from that family. And then it's that awkward scene at the end of Mars Attacks where Natalie Portman's like giving him a medal, and she's like, "So you got a girlfriend?" It's like it's so cheesy, and that's how (laughs) Natalie Portman and Lucas Haas started fucking
1: (laughs) at the age of (laughs) fifty.
0: Lucky man, Lucas.
1: Uh, yeah, so, I mean, a big cast. When you mentioned Sheree Agadashu, uh, <laughs> I guarantee we're butchering it. Uh, she was just coming off for Oscar nomination. I, I don't know if you ever saw that movie, House of Sand and Fog, the one with no. uh, Jennifer Connelly and Ben Kingsley. No. But she was, like, an unknown actress, and she got that movie got several Oscar nominations. I remember watching it, because, like, that was a time period where I would watch anything that got Oscar nominations, and it, it was a good movie, but, like, very dark movie. Uh, but the other interesting bit of trivia is that uh, the kid who plays Beruz, Jonathan mm. Adut had just played her son in House of Santa Fog. So they were getting very creative with their casting. Uh just cast all the Iranians from uh House well, of Santa Fog. I think
0: in the same movie, What's a Face Melanie from season one was also related. I think she was the daughter, daughter of that band. I was reading another trivia bit there where it's kind of like this, let's hire all the kids from that movie. They're all gonna, you know, yeah. slightly look there. But I I like yeah I, I will say like we obviously we haven't done it in a while and I, I'd like to try and get some more people on the show actors, but when we did a sort of a whole big mass email out to try and get some people on the show. And obviously, you know, we're successful and we, we will do it again. I contacted Sheru agatha Shu Lu's uh, people. And at the time, they were sort of like, oh, yeah, she'd be interested. She's just busy at the moment. It's a touch base in the future. So I should really get there. It's perfect timing right now. Uh, get an Academy Award nominee on the show, which I don't think we've yeah. had. In a, I mean, Jonathan Penner. Academy Award nominee, and I guess we played our uh Willem Defoe interview, which wasn't for this show, but I don't think we've had specifically Fran Dress hasn't been nominated yet, has she? Uh so No, not uh, yet. It's yeah. coming though. Uh,
1: her and Brendan Brendan are taking the best oh, actor, best actress this year. Brendan. I, I I'm I'm just I'm baffled that Ben's radio show where people fart on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I played you the clip. <laughs> As, I told you. You did. <laughs> Uh, that's gotten Oscar nominees, but this hasn't, but it, it really in retrospect, looking at this, like I don't remember necessarily thinking this is the biggest deal at the time, but because no TV show had really ever completely recast their show, unless it was a show that was in trouble. And they're like, well, let's save this show. Let's get rid of 90% of the actors. Uh, they've really stacked the cast. I mean, they went all, oh, they got Sean Doyle. Uh, so Sean they, were, they
0: were Lucas Haas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I think, like we we've said it plenty of times about how they've all the creators of the show always said that this was kind of the idea like have act mm. 3 act, you know three seasons as an act so 1 to 3 is very its own beast and like having just finished my rewatch like i i stand by the fact that they do it similar with 4 to 6 is very much its own beast 7 and 8 and i 9 is kind of uh it's i think 9 fits more into the 4 to 6 era with a bit of the 7 and 8 the so sort of Jack's development as a character mixed in with Hella coming back and Audrey coming back. Whereas, like, seven and eight is, you know, Jack and Renee. Uh, and then, sort of, this is Jack and Audrey. And the first three seasons is Jack and Terry, Jack and heroin. Um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) His first two loves. Yeah, which,
0: I mean, again, I'm (laughs) very intrigued to when we get to the end of this in several years because I know you're a Renee fan and having just watched Renee, I have so many issues. But uh, nothing against the actress who plays Renee. She's great. I love her, but just the character. Anyway, sidebar. The point is, yeah, like this is very deliberate and it feels like a new show, but keeping, like I think this feels more of like, new with the old then 7 does f- moving on from 6 because I think that's a weird period of 24. <laughs> it's like <laughs> 6 went off the rails, they saved it with redemption, 7 starts decently and goes way off the rails, and then you get 8, which is good, and then 9, which is good, and then Legacy, which we shall not talk we about talk until about we are it. legally obligated to. But, um, yeah, you're right. This is, a, like, a, a reboot, but it's still, like, it's not... A reboot with being terrible, if that makes sense. It's still the same show.
1: Yeah. Uh, now we don't have Palmer drama. so there's a, First ever episode to...
0: without David Palmer ever. This is our yeah. very first ever episode, our 73rd episode of 24. No Dennis Haysbert. Th-
1: there was even a season three episode that didn't have Alicia Cuthbert. So yeah, this is he the... would be the only other one. No, Tony
0: Tony was not in one Um, well yeah you're right he's the only one because Tony missed one episode I think in season one Kim missed two episodes prior to this so yeah him and Jack uh, uh, Dennis because he doesn't have a character's name uh, Palmer and Jack are the only two that were in all 72 episodes consecutively so Jack officially now becomes the only character and he will be the only one to appear in every single episode until Legacy
1: yeah which we don't talk about until we're legally obligated to yeah Um, and can I just point sorry
0: one last thing it's it it ties into this because we're going to meet this character very shortly. There is a character introduced in this season, Mr. Edgar Styles, who I completely forgot Legacy, and it's bullshit that they randomly say a character in Legacy is like, "Oh yeah, I'm Edgar Styles' cousin." I'm like, "What? Why what? are you bringing that into this? Don't even look the same." <laughs> like, I'm sorry, ones <laughs> from a different nationality, and I know that's possible. I know there's such thing as interracial <laughs> breeding, which is fine, do it, but like. It's just the most pointless throwaway line ever in 24. And it makes me hate that season even more because fuck you, you are not related to Edgar Styles.
1: The, the amount of things you surprised me with that I completely forgot in 24. Oh, I um, forgot
0: too. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but we'll decide on what's the new Palmer drama as we get into this. But before, there's no way, premieres are difficult because you can't just do one storyline, one storyline. Everything kind of ties in together more, but, we're going to set up the first scene, which everything else kind of plays off that. So the, the opening scene is basically some suspicious looking men on a plane. One has a briefcase train. strapped to them. Uh, train. Did I not say train? You said plane. I, did I say plane? Train. Oh, well, Trains pass- go choo-choo, list.
0: planes go... Going... <laughs>
1: <laughs> they both have passenger lists. That's the important yep. part. And manifests. Uh, Good but, show. Uh, yeah. Coming this soon. This is... Uh, <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it really? Really not. <laughs>
0: Ben, that joke yeah, just- deserves that.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, by
0: the way, Max Dawson.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have sound
0: effects now no, 24. You're we,
1: welcome. We really one day need to do Manifest, La Brea, and... Terry's a Manifest
0: What's, and what's the Matthew Fox show now? Ah, oh, we still haven't reviewed it yet, uh, last night. Yeah. Which, Matthew Fox, coming soon to Australian TV, by the way. <laughs> I don't know if uh, were you were the Colin... Uh, I was the one you... who
1: showed you the trailer, you yeah.
0: Yeah, because I knew Sean Penn was doing some Australian show, uh, to which I found hilarious because I think on 007 we made a joke about Ben O'Toole. There is an actor called <laughs> Ben O'Toole. And apparently Matthew Fox has been added to this show. So just like Dominic Monaghan and the return of Emily DeRaven, who was in like three scenes of that SBS show I watched. Looking old, by the way. Poor Emily. But uh, Matthew Fox coming soon to Australian TV. Yay. (laughs) Obviously, Last Light failed miserably. It's like, ah, fuck it. Where can I go that does shit TV? Ah, Australia. Do it. (laughs)
1: They like Last Light there. <laughs> I still haven't watched it yet. That's why, that's why people manifest are
0: begging at the door, like, where is this to review You promised of Last Light? Well, I think Noah watched two episodes and said it was shit, and I'm sort of in the middle of moving to another <laughs> state. So it's not on the top of my priority list. But coming soon, very soon, maybe 2024.
1: Yeah, he needs to finish Manifest before he moves on to hey, Last Light. Hey, that's coming
0: to Netflix. I'm sure they're allowed to say the F word now in Manifest. They did when Designated Survivor went to uh, Netflix. Kiefer swore a lot on that one.
1: Uh, so basically, there's just a trail derailment here. And um trail derailment? A trail tra- derailment? Der- tra- 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 der- Can derail- you say train"?
0: train? choo choo oh.
1: <laughs>
0: He comes Starting the Starting
1: at 7 a.m. <laughs> a train derailment. And uh, the, the masked guy comes up and he shoots the dude with the briefcase and he takes the briefcase. And uh, then we have the Mr. Prequel, Thomas Shrek. Is it Shrek or Shrak?
0: Yeah, Shrek. You look like Shrek, call him Shrek.
1: Thomas Shrek here. We have Shrek, who um, uh, basically there, there's a call for the 8 a.m. attack, which that's gonna set up everything in this episode is that we there's deciphering of clues that this is gonna be an 8 a.m. attack. Uh, but we'll we'll get back to CTU in a bit. So what we'll do first is we'll talk about the Araz family, uh, uh the Araz family and Mr. Natalie Portman, as oh. you called him here. Huh. So huh. the the off. others. Yeah, this is the others. Uh, So the Araz family were introduced to them and uh, their average Middle Eastern family living in America, they (laughs) eat breakfast, they watch the news and they don't like white girls. That's every (laughs) Middle Eastern family, apparently. Which we should Uh, point out, this
0: was a season two where they started putting like public service announcements for every episode going like, don't hate the Muslims, they're a great people. Meanwhile, let's cut to those terrorists eating breakfast.
1: Yeah. I mean, now we're at 50% of the seasons involving middle Eastern terrorists. So uh, maybe it was time for the public service announcement. It's a but, uh, next season.
0: It's all good. Just the Russians are fine.
1: <clears throat> it's, it's okay to hate the Russians now. <laughs> yeah. Everybody hates the Russians. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, basically the dad doesn't like the fact that Beirut's the son is dating an American girl. You stay away from that American girl. You You see her coming. You say, stay away from me. Mama let me be. (laughs) No American girls. (laughs) I I I Uh, would don't come knocking around my door. I don't want to see your face no more.
0: (laughs) I I definitely would be disobeying my father if I was dating Debbie. Don't worry. Uh we get to
1: her soon. Uh, Will we get to her? Oh boy. Um You don't like Debbie? uh, What's wrong with Debbie? I you know, the like you said, the actress goes on to become more famous, and anything I've seen her in, she just annoys me. And I'm pretty sure she probably annoyed me in this season too. But uh A lot of people annoyed me in this season. We're going to get to some of
0: them in a few minutes. But you just, like, don't like sex, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Ben had lots of sex with her growing up. (laughs) I wish I had sex with Leighton Mester. Trust me.
0: I'd be a lot happier than I am right now in life. Don't worry.
1: Uh, ben would be lucky to get Lucas Haas. I'd be disappointed.
0: Lucas Haas' penis has been inside Natalie Portman. That's close enough for me. <laughs> 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 I, I'm on board. I'm on board the Lucas. I'm on board Lucas Haas's ass. There you go.
1: Uh, so, <laughs> one thing I love about the Arouse family's introduction here is that you know right away that the dad, the he's getting the call. Um, that, so, what is it? Is Dina. Beirut's and the dad's name is Nestor Serrano Aras, right? <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: full name <laughs> is Nestor
1: Serrano, uh, Aras. Navi, Navi, Navi.
0: He's the Navi from uh, Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, he gets the call right away. You know he's in on it, and then the, just the way the scene plays out, and they don't do it obviously, but the way the scene plays out, it's just average Middle Eastern family who hates white girls and eats breakfast, and you think, okay, this is gonna be a storyline of the dad is hiding this from the family. And then they have that that very subtle but great way they drop the bombshell where he's like, the attack is on for 8 or whatever it is he says. And you realize the mom and the son are in on this too. Um, And I I just love the way that that's kind of revealed. And that's basically all we really get with him in this episode. But it's one of the more effective reveals of villains. And I think because it's episode one, it's not like you could do a dramatic buildup, but – I didn't even remember this was part of it. I I thought it was something where they revealed the mother and the son in episode two or three, but no, it's right off the bat opening scene. You know that they're in on it. And there's just such a calmness with them where you're like, Oh, I'm going to love where they go with these characters because the dad's kind of unpredictable, but now you got this nice mother and the nice boy who likes white girls and they're terrorists too. Like it's, it's such a great twist. And then we get uh, the other kids. So every 24 season up to a certain point, I think has, the young kid that everybody's after, and really this season kind of has two because you got Beiruz, and then you got uh Andrew Page, Mr. Natalie Portman here. Uh, and he's I don't know what he, his job is, he's a hacker, it's a Unix system.
0: <laughs> I'm uh, a nerd, you sit in your room all day on your computer,
1: <laughs> but uh, he's there, and his co worker comes in, and you find out he's been there all night. And he's like, oh, I'm just working on whatever. And you're stealing code from Microsoft and Adobe again, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs>
0: Which involves like the Matrix. Like, I mean, God, yeah. I just went to like Bear Share and typed in like Adobe. Like, can I download Photoshop? Okay, Ben, not like. <laughs> <laughs> well, it,
1: it, it gets very implausible right away here because I, I love that he has the line. Is like, well, if you tell anybody, I'll have to kill you. <laughs> uh, and And that's why Natalie gets... Portman
0: was missing for several
1: years. Yeah. uh but then you get like the red code that comes on screen he's like whoa hmm interesting it's red it must be evil <laughs> well then that all literally all it comes down to is goes, take a look at this it looks like somebody's trying to corrupt the internet And she's like, oh yeah you can tell because it's red the color of evil and right there that's the code for corrupt the internet they <laughs> identify this right away and then You really got to tell somebody about this. But if I do, they're going to know I was stealing code from Microsoft and Adobe. (laughs) Well, why don't you use a payphone? Ah.
0: (laughs) You're so smart.
1: Oh, yeah. This is is pretty cheesy now looking back on it. Um, He goes to a payphone. He's going to call his old uh, college roommate or college friend, Chloe. And uh, (laughs) this is the best unintentionally funny part of the episode where he's like, I don't want them to know they're stealing my code. And he's like, hello, Chloe? Yes, it's Andrew Page, social insurance number, whatever. Your old college roommate. Do you need my address <laughs> on this recorded call? <laughs> so I was stealing code from Microsoft and Adobe, which would totally get me fired. <laughs> so don't let this call be recorded. And I saw that somebody's corrupting the internet. Uh, he I literally- was- Chloe can we, we can't
0: take personal calls. I've watched three seasons of 24. Everyone takes That's personal calls. That's all they do. Calls. <laughs> They, Go, they gonna, take
1: personal visits. Babies. Don't worry. The there's plenty in
0: this season of personal visits. So come on, Chloe.
1: Um, but yeah, he tells her about the da- 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 da red code and somebody's corrupting an interne- the internet. Uh, he comes back and all of his coworkers are dead except for the one that he threatened to kill. She's allowed to live and is like, tell me where he is. Tell me where he is. Uh, we get a little bit of a chase scene. And and this is the part I always remember. I remembered him as the kid running on the bike. Mm. <laughs> I don't know why the bike stuck out to me, but he basically steals a bike because he doesn't have a license, I guess. And we get a bit of a chase scene on the bike. So now we have the the two kids. He He really, I think, fits the role that you think they're going for here of young kid who gets in over his head that 24 is famous for. And then they're going to kind of pull, I mean, he does factor in past this episode, but they're going to kind of pull the switcheroo when you're like, Oh, bayruz is going to kind of fit that role later on too. But uh, I, even as cheesy as this scene is the introduction and everything. I mean, it's a hundred times better than we get with Kyle singer. I mean, oh, shit, yeah. Mars attacks kid here is at this point, the best kid of suspect I, that they've had.
0: I would go out on a limb and say that, Both of them are good. Uh, We, I mean, you technically have a third if you count James Heller because he's going to be a bit of a MacGuffin. Um, Did you just need a tissue there, Colin? Um, I I don't know how you're feeling there. Oh,
1: we're going to get to him next.
0: But um, yeah, like one thing the the train sequence is a cool sort of opening. Although I have to question guy with like briefcase of suspiciously uh, somebody's walking towards him. Like he's just getting a seat. He just wants a good seat to eat his dinner next to the window. And you're like, "Well, oh, I'm going to get my gun. Um, I have many questions about why this guy's on a random train at this time in the morning in California carrying like the nuclear codes, but that's for another episode. Um, but yeah, I love the reveal here of, of the Aras family. Just like, it's it's such a cool twist. Like it's sort of, it's season two, but, like, straight away we know Marie's evil. You know what I mean? And I, Yeah. And, like, I'm with you. Like, I like the way you kind of play on this family, that they're all in in on it. And what I like about this storyline is this is one of the most consistent storylines of this entire season. Like, even when sort of things start going a different way, it, you never get tired of it because the actors are all great. I will say they kind of just forget about Behrouz at one point, so just, you know, don't get too attached to him. But the other two you sort of get at least some sort of conclusion with. But... Yeah, I like it. And, like, I, I think when I first watched this, I think the whole Debbie storyline was a bit like, oh, God. But, like, in hindsight, it's actually not that bad. Like, it it really isn't. Like, it's definitely one of these random side plot family dramas that I'm going to roll my eyes with some definite plot lines in this season. But, yeah, this one's actually not too bad. Um, and, yeah, like, I get, like, the, the Lucas Hart stuff is a bit cheesy and the, the most random thing about it is he's just some sort of connection to Chloe. But on the grand scheme of things... Without being too spoilerific, you don't really need to pay too much attention to Lucas Haas. I think mean, he just kind of, he's in it for the first bit and then kind of he'll just disappear and he just moves some plot threads forward. But uh, don't get too attached to him. He doesn't need to be in this for much. So, But I like him, and not just because he did Natalie Portman. So, you know, he seems like a good kid. That kid's a good kid.
1: Imagine if he was Eric Binder. Well, that would have been a real big plot twist. <laughs> exactly.
0: But I'm just saying, good kid, Ben fact
1: one of the thing that uh, I find interesting with them is that we're not waiting too long to get to the point. Yeah. Like if you take Marie and everything, I liked that story, but it did take a while before you're like, well, where's this going? And with the Aras family, you know, in the first scene where you're going with it.
0: And that's, yeah. And I think like we talked about that last season with Gael when, I mean, he obviously ultimately wasn't evil, but how kind of you get that reveal pretty quickly. Um, And I think that, you know, where you roll your eyes a lot at some, you know, tropes that they repeat in 24, and they do by the end of this show repeat a lot of things, it's when it just sort of comes to a certain point, like, oh, really? They're doing that again? Whereas, like, okay, we're following, like, a suburban Californian family who are sort of evil, but, like, you know this straight away, so you watch it differently. And I think the way they will play with this is is very unique. Um, and I think, like, sort of having someone connected to Chloe, because automatically, like, we're going to talk a lot about this season, that Chloe's basically a different character. You know, Marilyn Radcliffe's mm. looking a bit hotter now. They've kind of got her out of the frumpy vest and they've done her hair up a bit more. And basically not only have they changed her appearance, they've just made her a better character. Who's not that hateable really. Um, so I think kind of having some sort of connection, it's its there, but it sort of gets forgotten about, but let's just say one thing with 24. They're used to, i uh, get used to all of a sudden random plot threads with Chloe that you're like, huh, where did that come from? All right. She's married. Okay. Uh, spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> Remember that. We should, have a, we should have had a count of that from the beginning of season three. There's a baby. Yeah. She's married. Yes. Uh, she's goth.
0: Yeah. Oh God. Don't start me on goth, Chloe. <laughs> uh,
1: so we're going to. Interconnect Jack into the CTU stuff in a bit. We got to get the introduction here the way, and then we'll do the, the heller that, that heller feller. That's what we're going to do. fella. We're going to do the heller feller stuff. Um, but, uh, so we get the intro scene, and this was one of the only things I think I knew about the show because the trailers would play clips from the scene. That's what I was talking about earlier. I'm like, the trailer scenes is kind of how I remembered this. You know, it's giving exposition. You get that they're a couple, but I'm sorry, this scene is Aww. so poorly written.
0: No, it is
1: so cheesy. Uh, it, it basically becomes like the bad. Uh, I love you scene from attack of the clones at one point. It's like, uh, I truly deeply love you. Like it's so much, Uh, but I'm going to run through here. Now I'm going to condense it and, and exaggerate a little bit, but this is basically all the bases they cover in a two minute long scene. So Jack and Audrey, they're in their underwear, they're getting dressed. So, you know, that they're definitely doing the, the Lucas house, here. It's it's hard hard
0: to know who to look at in this scene, to be completely honest with you. (laughs) Dude, we know which one here? you're looking at. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's Jack. It's Kiefer. Uh,
1: so in this scene, as they're getting dressed, you get, oh, this is going to be your first time back at CTU since you were fired by Driscoll. Yes. Well, I was addicted to heroin. So she was within her rights. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, secretary Heller's almost ready. <laughs> secretary Heller, huh? Yes. Well, it feels weird because one time I called him dad in a press conference, and now I can't do that. Uh, Oh, okay. You know, I'd really like to tell him that we're doing the Lucas Haas Natalie Portman. (laughs) Not yet, because if you remember, I am still technically married, and even though we're not together, my dad's a little weird about the fact that I'm a married woman. Uh, This is so much thrown into one scene, and it's just, it's written, we have good writers on this, but they felt the need to put stuff in here that, they figured nobody would watch in the prequel because not everybody would be able to download a six minute video in six hours. (laughs) Uh, And it's just, it's it's, the way it's written. It's just like, Oh, matter of fact, this is your father. And I was addicted to heroin and he doesn't know. And you're married. And then you, you throw in there on top of that, these cheesy, you know, I love you, Jack. And before we die, I want you to know this scene is not the way I remembered it. And it's a little bit too much for me.
0: I completely disagree. I get what you're saying. It is a lot of exposition, but I think what saves this scene is you have two extremely talented actors who make it work. Oh, yeah. And I, for one, do not get sick of this dialogue. Um, so I can see your criticism about it being very exposition heavy, but I'm sold because I just, I mean, I might say that Kiefer and Kim have the best chemistry in this entire show because, uh, I mean, realistically, not to take away from Kiefer and Leslie, but, I mean, how many scenes do we actually get of Kiefer and Leslie together? They're mainly yeah. on the phone the whole time. So mm-hmm. I, that's probably my firm statement, that they had the best chemistry in this entire show. And uh, Tony and Michelle, but, like, it's out there. But the, the point is I just think I'm just so sold on these two and I just think it works. And the thing that just is great is that, Jack's happy, and that's kind of what they mm. sold this season on at the end of the prequel. They're yeah. kind of like, you know, he's found – he quit his job, but he's found happiness. So Until
1: day four happened.
0: You know, like, it's, it's not going to take long for Jack is obviously going to get in this episode to get thrown back into it, and this is the uh, beginning of many, oh, let's bring Jack into CTU. Oh, how's he going to react as he walks in the building moments? But, um, no, I, I, I love it. I can overlook all those issues with it because I just think it just works so well with these two working off each other and it sets them up because immediately you feel these two are in love, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of – it reminds me a bit of the Jack and Terry scene at the beginning of season one, that you don't need much to believe that these two are already happily in love. Whereas yeah. my issues around Jack and Renee is it's shoved down your throat on a level where it's like you're meant to – believe that these two have a thing when they've literally known each other for barely hours and then into day eight when it's, they've not seen each other for how long and, oh my God, they're so in love. They don't even, they've never kissed. And yet (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm on board with this scene.
1: Uh, I will agree with you. Two great actors does help this scene, but it's still, it's, it's one of the more poorly written scenes that uh, I think we'll find in this season. Uh, it's not going to be in my whole of but also perfect opportunity here to actually play on the whole chase scene because this is the chase and Kim scene from season three's premiere.
0: Yeah. I see it
1: just turned around with Jack. Um, oh. So from this, from this point on Jack's going to have to go off on his own, but uh, we do have during the, uh, the, the scene where he leaves Heller and Heller goes off with Audrey uh, the mention of uh, nobody can know about this Richard meeting. Yes secretary heller (laughs) not my father
0: (laughs) can we just point out one thing jackie's obviously working with secretary heller obviously that means we know that uh keeler's president we see him obviously in this episode the elephant in the room here did you ever imagine that jack would be working for a republican uh person because like it's never ever established what parties any of the presidents are for but keeler because it's going to bring to logan they're republican because obviously palmer was democrat So, I mean, I would have assumed Jack would have been working for a Palmer administration, not a Republican administration. But, hey, Jack, he loves his guns and he's a little bit
1: racist. Well, I I was going to say, if anything, I think it makes more sense because and I'm not saying one side versus the other. The fact is, you know, most of the kind of under the table dealings happen on both sides regardless. But we're in the middle of the Bush administration here and torture is becoming a thing And Jack Bauer is very pro-torture. This season uh, is
0: the torture season. This is literally yeah, the torture so season.
1: I think Jack would very much be backing whoever's backing torture right now at this point this, in this the This literally States. might be
0: the only episode of the season where there's no torture.
1: <laughs> well, actually, there is. He gets shot in the leg. There, there is. is torture
0: in this episode. That's <laughs> so what am i He's talking about. He's doing it. <laughs> Seriously, like I, like I always like roll my eyes and they criticize this show for being like so torturous. But after what rewatching this season recently, I'm like, yeah, okay. Ben is a 17-year-old. It's kind of dumb. I'll leave my show alone now. I'm like, yeah too much torture it's it's a little bit too much sometimes
1: uh the the last conversation they have before they they split up here where he's so by the way i tried calling your room last night and you didn't answer i was having dinner with a friend that's bad
0: anyone i know no yeah because he's he's like looking
1: at jack like they're basically one step away from going to jack's like was she good did she wear that (laughs) little black bra like (laughs) <laughs> it's just, yeah it, it's way too obvious and they're going to get another one I, I i'm not i'm not that big of a fan of the the writing and it's a reboot season they never had to do this before so again i'll give the benefit of the doubt to the writers but then when we have the next scene in the car where uh heller is talking to audrey about this richard meeting we start dropping you know, what is it with richard it's like you know what why does this kid not like me <laughs> yeah and, and then they oh well he just doesn't understand the politics of it and then heller what did I do wrong, Audrey? <laughs> uh, only only William Devane can pull a scene like this off. So again, actors can save it. Uh, but uh, they basically say, he's just a spoiled kid and he doesn't know the politics. And then he says, what did I do wrong? And I'm thinking to myself, maybe don't spoil him and teach him about politics. This wouldn't yeah. happen. Uh, but they get to Richard's, uh, Richard's little bungalow here. And uh, this is a meeting. They're basically trying to talk him out of attending some protest that is against whatever you know, the, the president is doing. And Heller is the secretary of defense. So it's going to embarrass him. They're saying they're only using you to embarrass me. They're not interested in you. And uh, so Logan Marshall Green, he'd gone to a, a lot of things he had, uh, I guess, years after this. Uh, a brief period where it looked like he was become the next Jai Courtney, you know, the next leading man that <laughs> wow. nobody cares about.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> well, we all uh, strive had- to be the next Jai Courtney.
1: Because he had like that Brooklyn finest movie. And then he had the, he won the lead roles in Prometheus, the alien prequel. In Spider-Man and then it seemed like he
0: Homecoming t- as well. He's one of the, yeah, goons. he was one of the,
1: the henchmen. Yeah. In yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming. But it's like, it's like he dropped on the face of the planet. Now um, I, 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 I'm really trying to remember what my thoughts were on Richard Heller when I watched the season initially, I'm pretty sure it's similar now. Can we agree that Richard kind of sucks? <laughs> I mean, do you really want to punch him? I know that's the point. So now I, I think if I did hate him originally, now I understand uh... that was probably a good thing, but like, wow, is he, he's like not Kyle singer level obnoxious, but he is definitely punchable.
0: I, I think this was just after the OC as well, so I'm pretty sure this came after him as Trey when you meant to hate him because, you know, oh, no, he's going to kill Marissa or rape Marissa, whatever he did. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I agree because, like, I know what, like, it's just weird what they do with his character, and it kind of falls into this torture thing where it's just, it's needless torture on this kid, Then they forget about him, and then they randomly bring him back at the end for a big plot twist. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, he's, he's not casting at levels of annoying, no. I just mm. I just feel sorry for this kid. So this is where maybe like I don't agree because I think with Carl where he's just a noxious little blonde head little shit who you just want to punch in the face. I think with <laughs> this guy, like I legitimately feel bad for him. Um and I think that his dad kinda goes a bit too far sometimes. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't I don't really agree with that. I just I don't really but find him that the- annoying.
1: I think they do want the audience to be at least a little bit annoyed by him. Like, that's my thought. Oh, I'm- yeah,
0: no, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. I think that, yeah, absolutely the point. And I think what we're going to get in the coming weeks with him is, yeah, you're absolutely meant to think a certain level of him for sure. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. um, I just don't – there's no one really in this season that I get annoyed. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. There is someone in this um, season.
1: Is, is it who I'm thinking is – it, is it somebody at CTU's no. –
0: Daughter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, her. Yeah. I'm definitely um, annoyed by her. <laughs> it's someone at CTU's girlfriend who is a somewhat very famous actress, who I like the actress, but uh, she's a terrible character. Um, yeah, we'll get to her. Uh, but um, I lost the point of that question. I'm not overly annoyed with uh, Marissa Cooper's rapist. I don't think okay, he raped well- her, but she kills him. So... I don't remember the storyline at all. It's the end of season two, like the whole big, you know, cliffhanger. Is she shoot? That's the um, ooh, what you say? You know that meme that they ripped off on Saturday Night Live with um, no. the guy from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. So look it up. Like it's um, Imogen Heap's song, uh, Hide and Seek, and it's the ooh, what you say? So like basically he gets shot. And then essentially they, like, just do this slow motion of, ooh, watch. And so, like, Saturday Night Live it where basically everybody walks in the room, gets shot, they do slow-mo of, ooh, what just said? And then they cut it. And then somebody else gets shot to go, ooh, what just it's I'll, I'll find it to you and send it to you. It's funny.
1: Sounds hilarious.
0: Yes. It is. Actually, <laughs> Seriously, once you've seen it, it's hilarious. Uh,
1: it's as hilarious as a fart on the radio. <laughs> Don't tempt me. It had better live up to that.
0: Don't tempt me.
1: Uh, so... There is a brief scene in between the Heller and Richard fight here, where Audrey's on the phone to Jack, and this is another one of these cheesy. Audrey, I should have said it earlier, but I, uh, I love you too, and before we die, I want you to know. Uh, and he, he says pregnant, something here where he's, like, like, "I'm pregnant." <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, he has this line here, is like, "It's just not since Terry have I felt this way," and I'm thinking like. Poor Kate, poor Claudia even. Jack's just so cold. Now I know why Kate dumped him. Yeah, but uh, yes, you'd
0: later find out in the show. Jack's fucked everyone. So I mean, if he was in love with everyone, like I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Edgar thought he was in love with him, and now he's gonna find out otherwise. Well, his
0: cousin. Uh, <laughs>
1: <geez>. <laughs> Edgar's cousin. Oh. Uh, but uh immediately after this, Audrey just picks up the phone and calls we we don't see him yet, but somebody's gonna become a major character in this season, which is her her husband, Paul Rains. And it's like, now, Paul, I, I know we said we'd wait a year, but it's 7.45 in the morning. I feel like now's the time to tell you I am I want a divorce. The, and,
0: and, and remember You couldn't wait till 8 a.m.? Like, it's just this is a frustrating storyline, the Paul stuff, because it comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes, and then it's just they don't know what to do with it. I've got some fun stories to talk about this actor when we get to him. But also, can we remember, it is 7.45 a.m., He's in Washington, D.C. right now. He'll basically be in L.A. in 90 minutes. Like, I mean, you know, they've got very fast planes in 2005 to get them from (laughs) east to west. That's a five-hour flight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Just remember that because he is not going to be there uh, later than 12 p.m.
1: Um. Yeah, I want to hear your funny stories because I'm a big fan of uh, the actor too, I, who plays Paul Raines. It's
0: uh basically I have nothing and an
1: Natalie Portman connection.
0: Oh, absolutely. The was it the Walmart baby one? Where well, the I, heart is. Yeah. yeah. So no, basically the the story. So when I um I rewatched this with a friend many years ago. I think I've told the story about how. Uh, we did sort of a show swap. So she made me watch Buffy. She watched 24 because she didn't want to watch Third Watch. So, um,
1: <laughs> w- that's we- always a story with Ben. Watch Third Watch. Know
0: anything but. Um, I got Mallory into it. We know how that worked out. So, anyway, um, but it, Basically, she watches and she just, whenever he would come on screen, she's like, oh, my God, who is that guy? He's so ugly. Oh, I can't stand him. And, like, she just had this, like, pure hatred of the man. So then when we watched uh, Where the hardies one time, she's like, oh, no, it's Paul from 24. Nah. And, like, she just, like, was grotesque by him, thinking he was, like, the most ugliest man in the world. So... Uh, I don't think he's that bad looking, but uh, that's just oh. always reminds me of her going off about this guy. So she's a lesbian now. So, I mean, that probably makes sense.
1: Oh, so. There you go. She's, she thought Ben was the most attractive man she'd ever seen.
0: Well, I mean. It's not worked out. When we first met at a party, she thought I was a woman and we made out. So, I mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you know. That's how Ben picks up most women. <laughs>
0: huh? Gets I me know, far. I'm Ben. <laughs> I love your impersonation.
1: Hello, I'm Ben. Yeah, for the video episode, you got Hello, my hands are here. Hello, I'm Ben.
0: Is this where I'm meant to press this button and be like, "Hello, I'm Ben"? Yeah. Sound <laughs> That's effect.
1: why you really bought this thing to pick up women. <laughs> who are oh, into women. Yeah,
0: I've gotten laid so much since I spent eight hundred dollars <laughs> on a Roadcaster Pro two. Can't you see all the ever
1: since, women behind Ever since you me? had the ability to put fart noises in every conversation, you're cleaning up on the chicks. The one
0: time I literally had a woman behind me hiding. Um, a woman? Know, a woman. And you got the wrong one. Um, <laughs> yeah, not quite there.
1: All right. So um, we'll, again, come back to the Heller stuff. So let's let's go to CTU. So this is the, the meat of the episode. Um, I like the introduction of another. Is she a main character? Let's call her the most frustrating character of the season because they clearly hired an actor knew where they were going with it. And then spent what eight weeks having no clue how to get to where they wanted to go. Sarah Gavin soon to be main cast member on 24 who is here for what reason until we get to the twist. Almost uh, nothing.
0: But uh, uh, Sarah similar to Richard, is that like, yeah, I think when I first watched this, I was annoyed by her, but I just ended up feeling sorry for her because, like, again, she has a very similar plotline to what happens to Richard. And then I'm saying this right now, Michelle, when she comes into it, massive dick to Sarah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm just saying this right now lots of lawsuits come from Sarah at the end of this day. But um, <laughs> I am sad that she didn't get kept around for a full season because when we get to Nadia in season six, great character they keep her around for a whole season but i mean i feel sarah's got some more interesting things that they can lead off with so um i honestly get more annoyed by Aaron than sarah uh but that's just well, me and,
1: I, and I, there's there's really enough i think for me the annoying thing about sarah is the fact that they clearly had no idea what to do with her and until yeah. they get to what the original plan Michelle was.
0: Shell basically replaces her halfway, literally the halfway point yeah. of the season. So,
1: yeah. I, I will say, I think my other frustration is the, the, act, so the actress, um, she's not a bad actress because she went on to be, she, she went on to do uh never watched this show, but once upon a time, Jamie made <laughs> me watch, I think three seasons of that. <laughs> Emily she basically, she basically plays the main villain on once upon a time. And she's a fantastic villain. Uh, She also is one of two actors in this episode who would go on to, I I need to to do a count on 24 actors who covert affairs cast to play, whether it was something similar or something different, because she was on covert affairs as was Nesta Serrano. Uh, Nesta Serrano was much more memorable on covert affairs, but I think my other frustration was, so this actress, Lana Perilla, uh, she had before 24 just come off of spin city. So after Michael J. Fox left spin city, Charlie Sheen came on as a replacement. She was brought in as Charlie Sheen's secretary. And it basically was the exact same story. They had her on the season. They clearly had no idea what to do with her. And then she's abruptly written out for no reason. So 24 at this point, this is two back-to-back shows that I loved where this actress was there and all I'm wondering is like, what is she doing there?
0: She was on Lost. She was
1: I saw that in a famous episode too.
0: Greta. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's one of the um the two where Charlie dies the whole not Penny's boat. She's one of the two mm-hmm. women who are in the underground thing guarding that. Oh, Okay, did not recognize oh, okay. her. Okay, so when- I
1: was yeah, I definitely see. I recognize the episode and I'm like, OK, I don't remember who she is in she, here. I'm looking you, at the screen,
0: She's unwrecking. Like, that's probably why when we did that episode, I never brought up that's Sarah from 24. She looks very different. So short hair. That's why. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I've seen her. And I, I do. I did watch Spin City, but probably not as closely as I did. But um, as you did. Sorry. But um, mm. I, like, yeah, I, I like this actress. She, she's good. And I just wish they had have used her better.
1: Yeah. Uh, but of course, Chloe at this point is still Chloe because in the first scene, she's basically getting the intel about uh, oh we intercepted this call. The the attacks can happen at 8 a.m. It's like, but it's not 8 a.m. yet. 8 a.m. passed hours ago. That's why I didn't say anything. And uh, maybe I'll take this to Driscoll, and you just get Chloe saying. Give it up, Sarah. Driscoll doesn't like you <laughs> for no reason whatsoever. Chloe is really mean in this episode. It happens
0: over time um, on this this show. Like, I literally sort of like Colin. I thought I would message, not give it up, Ben. No, it doesn't, like <laughs> doesn't like you. It <laughs> um, doesn't but, like you. He uh, doesn't like you.
1: We get the conference room scene with all the department heads, and st- Paul is still trying to sneak her way in there. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I keep it right. But like, I'm pretty sure this, this is season six. There's one of the seasons where I swear they literally have a meeting every episode. I'm like, you'd be stopping so much terrorism right now if it wasn't like oh, it's 7-12, time for our meeting, guys. We've got terrorists out there and we're going to find them now. Get back to work. It's like, seriously, you interrupted my me- my day for this?
1: It, they're, they're already doing that because in this meeting, when Edgar is giving his intel, Chloe says, as usual, Edgar, we can't hear you. Just like last hour, Edgar, we can't hear you here in the hourly meeting. Uh, and then it, it, it's even better because then she has to reprimand him. And where is your laptop? Yeah. What if you had to pull data? And he's like, I memorized it. I don't need to pull data. <laughs> and
0: also, I'm probably jumping the gun here, but uh, we get to meet Mr. Curtis for the first time, which I just point out, just try and keep up with what Curtis's job is in this season because right now he's like Aaron's number two. He's just an office guy. But in like five episodes time, he's going to be shooting people. Like, what? I don't get what... Curtis's so, role. I love Curtis, but like I just don't get his
1: role, and and I don't understand either because I always kind of remember him as being the, the field ops guy, but of yeah. course that's Ronnie LaBelle. Oh, uh, and what a man. Uh, then you have I guess Tony. Something big just flew across your camera. I'm scared for you right now. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> you're in Australia calling. I'm off. Lines in front of you. I didn't even blink. I'm just like, yeah, that's just Larry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but like, I'm thinking, okay, so it, it then is he, like, what Tony was in season one and season two? Is he, like, second in command? But, yeah, it's really hard to keep and, – and Chloe as well. Chloe, we kind of talked about how she was, like, Jack's assistant, but if anything, she was just, like, your tech girl, and now she seems to be in charge of Intel. So maybe she got a promotion. And, and,
0: the, and, and but there, there, there's definitely an issue with Chloe, too, because, like, it, it gets pretty quick on the – Oh my god, Chloe and Jack—we're so close. We trust each other. Again, I think I pointed that last season. You don't really see Jack and Chloe interact that much, so like, I like the kind of little moment you get in this episode where they're meeting for the first time because it's again kind of the only real connection between the two of them. They're sort of the only two overlapping characters from last season, but like, it just they they force it down your throat very quickly that these two are close, and it's great because ultimately that's going to be the the thing of this show, mm-hmm. Chloe and Jack. But it just it's weird if you're kind of watching it really quickly because you you literally are like these two weren't that close last season. Uh, And then like, even in a second when Chloe's going to be like, how's Kim and Chase? Like, Chloe, weren't you friends with Chase? Shouldn't You were looking after his baby. She should be the one who knows, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys got out of touch pretty quickly.
1: But like, in all fairness, weren't you saying that's one of the things you liked in season three that like, oh, Jack and Chase are so close and you don't need the explanation why.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Uh, I, I, I definitely like that. But it's just, it's the thing that's different is that because Jack and Chase are sort of field ops and sort of you can understand why they've been. Jack was fired and Jack like was fired. What what was the prequel? Like six months, three months after the end of the season. So, Jack and Chloe bonded in three months. Like, I mean, we, we again we get a great. There's a, just, I've got to, I can't wait to that episode where we get the best look ever from Jack to Chloe when Chloe says something to him. Um, and that to me sums up sort of their relationship because it's sort of like, yeah, they're not really that close, but it's just almost like the writers gone. Okay, Chloe reboot. She's nice now. She's a bit snarky, but her and Jack are really close. And for the grand scheme of twenty four, it works. We love it. Mm-hmm. It works great. But it's just it's very sudden. Like we didn't get inklings of that last season.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is the reboot of her character, as you said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the snarkiness is still a hundred percent here in this episode.
0: It's not uh, annoying th- snarkiness, is it? it?
1: It's well, maybe it was the break between the shows where it's it, it, this is this is gonna be kind of weird, but uh, it's like Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars. Okay, so Jar Jar Binks, Phantom Menace. Everybody complained about how annoying he was and everything. Against all odds, George Lucas brought him back in Attack of the Clones, and I'm telling you, when I saw Attack of the Clones multiple times, when Jar Jar appeared on screen, people were cheering, they were happy. As they and should. Like, yeah, it's like it's like one of two things: you have that break and you just get over that you're annoyed, but I actually think it's more likely the second time around, you almost appreciate it in an ironic way. You're like, oh, she's being snarky, yay. But it's it's yeah, and I,
0: but I think it's on a level where. It's, yeah, like, I agree with that. It's snarky, but, like, because it's not shoved down your throat so much, and it's done in a way where it's kind of endearing. Like, it's not like last season where it's just like, you don't have to speak to me like that. I heard you the first time. Like, those people are annoying. I'm one of those people. That's why people hate me. Whereas, like, this time around, like, when she has this little moment with Jack, when she's just kind of all like, oh, that's really great. I mean, oh, I'm really like that. I've got filing to do. Like, it's just kind of, like, awkward and cute. Whereas last season, it was just like, she was just the annoying one. And, again... Hashtag, where's the baby? I guess it's in that house in Pasadena or wherever Kim is. But, um, yeah, like they, they do a good job of rebooting Chloe because I, I think you'd be stretched to find any 24 fan who would be like, oh, my God, I love Chloe from the minute she came on screen. If you did, yeah, you're lying. Nobody. Like she was a pain in the ass in season three.
1: Um. Now, the main thing that this is going to keep going around is this whole, but it said 8 a.m. It already passed. And, oh, well, what if they meant 8 a.m. You know, California time? Uh, and then Driscoll just like, well, was it 701? That's close enough. Um, Which doesn't really seem logical that this is her thinking. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, when, when my, my other favorite part of this episode, besides the whole, look, it's the code that's going to corrupt the internet conversation is Edgar. And you get Edgar's character right away. And this is why I say like, I, I feel not so much to the actress, but more just like, did you really try to create a character for Sarah? Cause they get it with Edgar right away. It's like, Hello, uh, Chloe, this is Edgar Stiles. You don't have to use your last name. Now, the best part about this is that she answers the phone, O'Brien, Edgar, you don't need to use your last name. (laughs) O'Brien out. That's a good point. I think, like,
0: yeah, I think they struggle on 24 with their female CTU agents post-season three because you have Michelle season two, Nina season one, and Chloe season three, who, again, pain in the ass, The first time you see her but she ultimately becomes the second most major character in the show so you get sarah here and then they kind of go fuck let's bring michelle back next season you don't really get anyone i guess you get karen introduced in the last bit but she's not really an agent she's homeland security uh unless i'm missing someone next season but then season six you get nadia one season wonder bye bye season seven you get Julie Garuffalo, whatever her name is, Jeanette Garuffalo, the uh, FBI, and she's okay, but she's got a you know whatever. And then obviously you got Renee, and then season eight, it's oh Katie, sack God, that woman's amazing. <laughs> um, but uh, and then season nine, you get other Kate. I don't know if you remember season nine's CIA's Kate, who like she's good one episode. You mean the
1: female, the female Jack,
0: yeah, season who's, nine, who's good, she's, bad, she's great, good, bad, good. Uh, she's up and down, you know. She's she's okay. there and thereabouts. And then season ten you've got um freaking uh Aussie, Australia's own um why haven't gone blanking her name? Not Miranda Kerr. Uh Miranda Otto, thank you. Um Oh yeah. Who again is okay. They also had
1: no clue what to do with.
0: Yeah. Oh, and, and don't forget Edgar Starr's cousin. Uh, <laughs> I don't even remember her name. <laughs> Because reasons. But, yeah, so I just think it's a it's a thing moving forward that they really kind of struggle with, like, the female. Oh, next season you get Kate Mara from Homeland Security. Well, that's a weird character, but it's Kate Mara. I'll watch her any second doing whatever she wants. She can read me the Bible and I'd be hooked. Um, I'm losing the point again. The point is female <laughs> people in CTU. Ben really
1: needs to get a girl. That's the point here. <laughs>
0: I haven't had sex in, like, three weeks. Um, yeah, shut up, Ben. Move on, Colin.
1: All right. Uh, so uh, we also get the call earlier from Andrew Page here. The uh, I'm going to give you all my information about stealing all the code. Uh, she tells this to Driscoll. Driscoll's like, interesting. Give it to the FBI. We're too busy.
0: Yeah, that, that that's what I was going to say. Aaron, this is where Erin annoys me because like, this is just this trope that just we sort of have in the first three seasons with like Chappelle and Mason, but not to this level. Like, this is just stupid from Erin. This is just abs- like, yeah, she's a terrible boss. Because, like, why would you just take it, like, literally connected to Turkey and you're just going, eh, it's nothing. Put it away. Like, yeah. it's just, Erin's a bad boss. She is a bad boss. And I think that this is a trope that gets annoying at certain points of 24 with the whole okay, the bosses aren't doing what they should be doing, so let's go against the boss. Because there are literally moments in the show where you are screaming, going like, just tell them. Like, why do you have to go against them all the time? It's stupid. Whereas this, you're kind of like, oh, okay, like, just bad boss. Curtis should be to see here and just be like, I'm Curtis. I don't know what Ronnie my job LaBelle is. Ronnie LaBelle
1: could be. Do you like Curtis? Oh, I love Curtis. Who doesn't love Curtis? What a
0: man. He's got a big dong. We know that for a fact. <laughs> that's a a
1: stereotype
0: (laughs) that was a stereotype uh not racist stereotype uh roger cross who i saw him in something recently i feel um he
1: um he's been on a couple other very big canadian shows the biggest one was a show called dark matter which is like insane sci-fi show about people who wake up on a ship and they all have lost their memories Um, then there's like all these cloning plots around it but yeah he was one of the main uh cast members on that one but uh I think think he pretty much just came back and worked in Canada within a few years of this show. And now, the other show he had was, uh, I think, yeah, oh, yeah, he's Canadian. Oh, he's born um, in Canada. There you go. Continuum was another big sci fi show. So he's just become Mr. Go To sci fi actor in Canada.
0: Oh, look at him now. He's got a beard. Um,
1: Oh, (laughs) look at him. Look at him with his little beard. Roger Cross. Ben's like, it's almost like looking in the mirror. He
0: only has 9,000
1: followers on Instagram. No, now he has nine thousand and one people, and nine thousand two. If you would do, can
0: people stop listening to us right now and go and follow Roger Cross on Instagram? How like I looked at Kim Raver the other day, as I constantly do. She has over a million followers on Instagram, as she should. She's a great woman. Roger Cross is a man who needs like not the same amount that we have on like Twitter. That's not right. (laughs) Like Roger Cross is a man.
1: Uh, that's a man right there oh look at um, him
0: posting pictures in his little hat
1: uh. <laughs> he's got a beard and a hat that's
0: oh, a man roger is it a fedora it's not a fedora but that man could pull off a fedora we're gonna get roger on the show come on oh
1: please what? um now what a, you're just like what uh <laughs> i'm just
0: don't say it ben don't say it well i'm just looking at his uh great Instagram, he's got a picture of him sitting next to a bath with candles, probably getting his wife like a nice day. Like, come on, honey. It really is
1: you. Oh, what are you
0: saying? you like, I like to treat people in my life well?
1: You? No, no, oh. you, you take baths with candles. That's what I'm saying. Bloody <laughs> earth. Oh, he's
0: posted a picture of fruit juice loaded pizza blender. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a picture of him like something to do with 24. Here we go. Um, He's posted a picture a year ago. Uh, it's like a, a some promotion picture of him. Um, fun facts. Curtis appeared in the most episodes for a character. Oh, I better not read that last bit. Uh, it's a bit of a spoiler. And then Roger Cross has posted it with a caption saying, you learn something new every day, exclamation mark, hashtag 24. Um,
1: oh, we could have been the ones to teach him that oh, bit of fact there. Curtis. Uh, so basically you get Jack coming to CTU for the first time and they, they very much drag out this thing where he comes in and he's looking around like, Wow, it's like nothing's changed in what a year and a half. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you've had it where you go into some old place you worked at or some old place you live at, and you're like, Oh, that's interesting, yeah, yeah, I remember that, but like he's very overwhelmed here. Well, it's the audience, uh, but, but Colin.
0: But it, We're all meant to be going, Oh, wow, they. Did the budget up a little bit on Fox this season. So well, CT, you got a I was, makeover.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say the real reason for this isn't like Jack being like, oh, and look, there's the desk where Paula's spleen was found. <laughs> it's more it's more, it's more we have to show off the the new set here. Uh, you know, and they probably have this in almost all seasons. You want to have the big reveal of your your main set. So it's very effective. Like it looks fantastic, but you do start to wonder if you're actually thinking in terms of character and story, it's like, why is he looking around that much? But uh, it's a nice set, right? Yeah. It's,
0: it's a beautiful set. And I think this is um, you're going to get some fancy new technology, like Skyping with each other a lot this season, which, you know, just disappears after this season, but sure. But yeah, I mean, it, it is a thing they do it kind of every time they redo it. And I think, this might be like, cause season five and six doesn't really change it too much. Um, so there's not a whole lot really outside of this that changes seven opposites, the FBI and then eight, you've got like mm-hmm. the super ultra modern New York CTU. Um, but yeah, uh, I think this is maybe the biggest sort of set design change you get for CTU until season eight, but yeah, I like it. It looks good.
1: Cause it's, it's always interesting when you watch a TV show and people really know enough about it, a lot of times these sets aren't one big piece of set. You know, you'll yes. have, let's roll out Tony's desk's area and let's roll in Jack's desk. And then we have a fake staircase and you think that it's two levels, but here you get to see like, it's a full, full they, set. They build it. Know, they, they, they really yeah. do
0: build these. I think uh, we talked about that in some of our interviews we've done, particularly in those earlier seasons that they did do them. Uh, but I mean, City gets blown up every third season anyway. So it's not like this is just going to change. You know, Paula's spleen, as you said, is just... Hanging on a wall, and there's a tribute to her there with her arm just like hanging off uh, Aaron's desk and a bit of uh, blood and guts happening there. So, um, but yeah, I think it, it was written that um, uh, I think it was Joel Cernell said that, yeah, th- this scene is deliberately done so that Jack can be the audience and be like, mm-hmm. oh, look at all the money Fox gave us this season.
1: And look, that's Sean Doyle from TV's 11th (laughs) Hour in Canada. (laughs) That's
0: because The Simpsons pulled in an extra 2 million viewers last week. Oh,
1: (laughs) thanks, Homer. Don't. Uh, But uh, we get the quick introduction here, the the, the pleasantries with Chloe. Is it pleasant? That's the other funny thing. It's like, so how's Chase doing? Good. He's working for a security company. Kim's watching the baby. The one thing she said she would not do... Mm. At the end of season three, she's watching the baby. Because we don't see Kim uh, and,
0: at all this season. This is uh and the th- first, this is the
1: only mention of her, right?
0: This is a, yeah, Ah, oh, I don't know, but uh this is the only season besides six and nine. Ah, uh, six and nine. Um, that we don't get to see her. So <laughs> Easy Beavis.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Colin almost got that joke. So um <laughs> Yeah, but no, it's. I, I mean, uh, it's this. This to me is a bit more um, exposition y than you, the earlier scene, but I, I like the fact that you kind of get a mention because, like, as I said to you, like, last season, like, you, you actually get a lot more Roger Moore about the Kim and Chase stuff than you remember because, yeah, next season it plays a big part into Kim coming back. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I like the knowledge that they're just living out in the sticks of Pasadena. Find a nice girl from Pasadena. There she is, Kim.
1: No. Could we not just have like one line a second? She definitely hasn't killed anybody in months. Yeah. <laughs> She's got bloodlust, basically. Life is good at her. Uh, but I love Chloe here. She goes, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I am interested, <laughs> but I'm busy. Bye. I'm going to set
0: up a protocol. <laughs> and I got a lot like, Jack's like, oh, that's our Chloe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: Jack's being told you're going to have to have a brief meeting with Driscoll because there's stuff going on. Like, oh, yeah, I know. I know how the job goes. He goes, and there's a very like, awkward conversation with driscoll this is why like we, we were introduced to this this idea that hey jack you were fired from ctu is it gonna be weird going back there well they were thinking of my rights and you think this is gonna be jack's the low man in the totem pole and this this scene basically reminds you right away he's the right hand man to the Secretary of defense he's calling the shots driscoll's driscoll's at this point probably thinking no i shouldn't have fired him he's my boss now <laughs> because she's basically begging for more money and and i actually do have, kind of have a theory and i don't know if they intend to put this in the show but I can work it in as my own fan theory that Driscoll, you know, saying things like, Oh, wow. Well, let's like some of her, let the FBI handle it is like, she's trying to maybe intentionally offload work onto a Hey, we're understaffed here. We need more money. Cause we have to send this to the FBI. No it's never clearly stated from what, yeah, we, we have sockets to open. And we don't have the money to open those sockets. Um, it, it, it's probably not the case, but uh, I think it's something you could at least fit in there, you know, and say, there's a reason for her, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe we can't take this, um, but the scene basically plays out with her. Well, now, what is her proposal? Her proposal is basically something really bad here.
0: Satellite coverage uh, of the Zanderitz. the docks or something like the that. docks.
1: Yeah, yeah. And him saying, "No, we need people on the ground." She's like the the originator of the replace the pilots with drones. <laughs> uh, but I can kind of see a
0: point though, because in a weird way, I do 100%. because she turns around and she's like, "Um, yeah, you're slashing our budget. Uh, we've got to cut some corners here." So as much as Erin sort of annoys me sometimes, she has some good moments here, and I'm I'm kind of like, well, yeah, it's like, bitch, please, you're cutting my money, so I've got to save some money. That's just lazy, Erin. Well, like fucking give me more money, then, bitch. <laughs> like, I just, it is a bit weird seeing Jack in like a you know number crunching meeting, but Jack's got a Jack.
1: Yeah, well, and there's a coldness between them that's really good. And I don't think yeah. they, I don't think I thought too much about Driscoll as a character when I originally watched this show, but like she has that. I'm a cold boss down, but it, it, she, there's something still sympathetic about her, which is what I think is interesting because where we're going to go with her character, you definitely are meant to be a little bit sympathetic. <sighs> yeah. Towards
0: her. yeah uh, you're meant to be, but I'm um, like, I like, this is where I go back to the prequel and I like the prequel because, you know, yeah, it's not necessary viewing. You get enough. I mean, another cheesy exposition line that I really hate in this episode is when Chloe's like in with Driscoll and she's just like, Oh, who's DOD sending? Oh, Jack Bauer. Oh, Jack. Okay, and then Chloe's like, "That must be awkward because you haven't seen him since you fired him." Like, that is like, you know, okay, Chloe. We saw the prequel, but um, yeah, this is where I think the prequel adds to this because um, you know, it's just a nice little scene between it, but um, yeah, but it's I weirdly on board with Aaron here. Sorry, Jack. But uh, yeah, you know, Jack's, Jack. This is also going to say is a, Jack, it's a power Jack, play. It is, and Jack big bully this season. He's a bully this episode already to Chloe in a few minutes, but um. You know, Jack's got a Jack, but I mean, Jack, bully. Bully Jack. Bully Jack. But well, what a <laughs> man he can bully me anytime.
1: Um, especially if Kim Ravers in there too. Oh. They can both bully you. Oh. Yes. Uh so she basically has to cut this meeting short after Jack basically says, No, I'll tell you the way it is. Uh, because she's like, I'm sorry, we have some some intel we're following up on, and I have a live feed from Ronnie LaBelle's button that I need to watch right now. <laughs> secret stuff, Jack, but please just busy yourself in the back and quietly judge me. Like, yeah. why is she letting him stay in the room while she watches this? But this is basically, he's going into some, I think this is a dry cleaners or wherever they are giving this address. They're trying to find Thomas Shrek and <laughs> uh they're, they're questioning him and Jack's kind of watching it. And again, silently judging her. Uh, it's like, Oh, he's lying. Jack, we got this. Like, Look at that. The blinds are closed. And, and I really do like this. I like, this is one of the things about spies and, and people in intelligence that you never never put enough focus on is that all they're ever looking for is the little details. Like why are the blinds closed? If it's uh you know, the, the middle of business day and looking for him to look off camera and that's what he catches. He catches the guy looking off camera. And then they basically tell Ronnie LaBelle uh, the biggest Canadian star of the season. There's something to your right. He goes, he finds Thomas Shrek. He attacks him. They bring him in. Uh, and uh, before they start questioning him, uh, before he comes in the building, Driscoll's like Jack. I'm gonna give you station number five. Chloe's opened a socket for you. Yes, ah, <laughs> uh, rolling out the red carpet. We're opening sockets. Uh, we get uh, this weird look that Jack has uh, when Shrek's brought in, and he's trying to talk to people, saying he's like, "Listen, I know this guy. He wouldn't waste his time on derailing a train. Something else is going on there. We got this, Jack." Uh, he asked Chloe to see the transcript of whatever the intel that mentioned the time. And he's like, Yeah, but it wasn't 8 a.m. Oh, asks, boys. And, <laughs> and then basically says, they're talking about deviating a course. You don't deviate a train. There's something else going on here. Jack is going full jack in episode one, storms in with a gun. Tell me what's happening at 8 a.m. Tell me what's happening at 8 a.m. shoots the guy in the leg. Doesn't ask for a hacksaw. He's he's doing he's doing it. He's doing it full torture right now. Uh, I'm going to torture you, not kill you. Uh, the guy basically, uh, gives up the info. It's secretary Heller. So he calls, he tries to, uh, warn Audrey. They're, they're coming for secretary. And then we get like this big missile in the background. And that's one of the coolest visuals I've ever seen on 24. Yeah. The missile in the background. And then Heller and Audrey get blown forward. And we get this, uh, kidnapping of them and gunfights. I mean, it's not going to hold up, but this is, I think the first one where I'll say this is potential, top five moment for the season the the kidnapping of Heller, it's also an incredible cliffhanger and they didn't need this cliffhanger. I think that's one of the things that I like about this is that they could have just ended this with random cliffhanger because your audience is coming back in 30 seconds, but instead they're treating this like it's a premiere and people one day will watch this in syndication or need a cliffhanger to actually lure them in to watch the next episode.
0: I will say that of all the, like the four episode two night premieres, like this is, the four in general are maybe the most underwhelming. I mean, seven and eight are up there. Like, five and six hold a candle to the best. Like They feel like an event, those four episodes. Even six, yes, because that's the first four episodes that are good in season six. The only episodes that are basically good in season six. Um, but, yeah, I love the ending of this. And I'm, I'm trying to remember. I feel it was spoiled in the trailer for this season because I feel you did see, like, the explosion. But... Maybe it wasn't because like I, I remember this like being like a big shock that they were getting kidnapped. So maybe it wasn't, but it's epic. I love it. like it's so good and it's such a great cliffhanger and you're right. like it didn't need to be, but unless you're listening to this show or you go on the internet and you're watching this now, you know, nearly 20 years later, you don't know that it was a four night premiere, so it's you know, I'm gonna watch it straight away. Um, the thing that does, it's a 24 thing and it's gonna be more of a thing. Why is everyone so dumb and Jack's the smartest? Like, I get it. Like, Jack's got a Jack. This is the Jack Bauer Power Hour. I understand it. We love Jack. I love Jack to me. Still one of the greatest characters in the history of television. But, like, when you're doing a show like this and you pick pot pinpoint it, like, is Aaron really that dumb? Is your Canadian guy really that dumb that they're not going to notice a shifty eye here and there? Like, is Jack literally the only agent in America who is capable of seeing these things. Like it's just sometimes you, you got like, and the deviate line, like the train thing, like this is where it goes back to my point about Aaron just dismissing Chloe. Like it's just, it's dumb. And like, yeah, you get a cool scene of Jack walking in there shooting a guy and they're like, Like, okay, it's great for TV, but like Tony's in jail. He goes
1: way too, he goes way too Jack way too quickly.
0: Tony's in jail for treason. uh, Whereas Jack's like walked in and just completely abused like a a freaking. You know, it's because this guy's foreign. He just gets away with it. Like, if this was a white guy that Jack was shooting, you know, he's off to jail, he goes. But, um, yeah, like, it's just, I don't know. It, like, I love it. Like, I do. I'm not trying to disparage it that I don't enjoy it because it's Jack. We fucking love Jack doing Jack things. But us being the podcast that's got to nitpick into things, it's just, again, it's one of these hypocritical things of, oh, no, Tony's a treason. He's a traitor. Go to jail, Tony. Ruin your life. Jack, do what you want. <laughs> um, But epic ending, though. Yeah, I marked it down as a possible top five as well.
1: Um, and I'm not going to be able to officially rank this episode, which I'll, I'll explain. Um, Lazy Colin. I, I've changed computers since we finished season three and I moved my file over, but I must've had two copies of it or something because the file that I moved over only has the season three premiere and nothing else from season three. So I'm missing, I don't know, maybe a a dozen, two dozen weeks worth of, uh, information on there. I can buy it, rent it or bin it, but, but I'll leave the ranking to you uh before we get to that though trivia i can't really oh. find much trivia we haven't already covered because it's it's all things like this was the first one to debut a season in january um this is the first one to have back-to-back episodes in a premiere uh i think there was only one thing here which i found kind of funny in the trivia i'll let you go through yours and i'll see if i can find it
0: uh one thing before i keep forgetting just on roger cross's uh, instagram i found a post from may the 4th be with you day back in uh <laughs> 2021 He just posted a picture of yoda And he just put the subtitle, Grateful We Be. Uh, (laughs) Roger Cross, big Star Wars fan. I feel there was one that we haven't talked about that I was going to point out. Oh, this was the first season opener since season one to have commercials in it. because Season two and season three premieres were commercial free. Um, so I found that one a little bit interesting, and yeah, I think you, we touched on the fact this is in January, the first season that basically aired uninterrupted from the beginning to the end.
1: like,
0: like they didn't just air all 24 episodes. It's in like there was no breaks in a season, basically like they do with shows. So by airing this in January, they could run it straight through to May every week without a single break in between. Um, but yes, that is what I have for you, Colin Harding.
1: I. I have, uh, this is, we always have these in the premieres, but, uh, this episode is the season premiere of 24th, fourth Shot Shut
0: season. the front door. No. Now No. Um. <laughs> wow. I'm blown away.
1: But, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, most of the other trivia here is like, it's the first episode to not feature Alicia Cuthbert as a main cast member. First one to not feature Dennis Haysbert as a main cast member. First one to not feature Carlos Bernard, blah, 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 blah. It just goes on and on and on. Uh, but anyways, I am definitely going to buy this episode. I think it's one of maybe it might be the best premiere that we've had, even though there is some bad writing in here. I think this might be the best of the premieres that 24 uh, has had over uh, the first four seasons.
0: This is uh, the third time. I think you have bought four episodes in a row. You've never bought five episodes in a row. So maybe next week you might create a new record for you on 24. Um yeah, I'm buying this episode. This is a great episode. And how many I'm on in a row here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in a row for Ben—a record for 24 right now. So uh, going well. But um, yeah, I've I've marked this as the yeah this is the best premiere we've got. And spoiler alert, because I've obviously done my rewatch, and of all the season premieres, this is the second best premiere in the history of 24 to me, according to my overall ranking of 216 episodes. So so a- you
1: have season one higher? No. I don't.
0: There's still a season to come with a very good premiere. Might be Oh, next okay. season. You're talking
1: about to come. I thought you meant of the one so far. No, no.
0: Uh, yeah. Overall, like in, in all 216 episodes, spoiler alert, this to me is the second best premiere. Uh, there's one more next season, which will be better, but yeah, so I've got this uh, as the best and I've got this ranked 12th right now out of 73 episodes. So just below episode seven of season one and just above the premiere of last season. So just one spot ahead of that
1: not knowing where all my rankings are, I was basically thinking this is probably just outside the top 10 premiere. So I'm just going to say we agree. Uh, And I will tentatively put mine at 12th just so that we have something official here. Uh, Next week I've watched nothing about it. Oh, um, I remember bits and pieces. Uh, This'll I think be the last appearance of Ronnie LaBelle next week. If I'm right, Jack gets to go on a bit of a mission with him or is that episode three?
0: No, it's next week. I think you are right. Yes. I'm pretty sure it is next week.
1: He, he, he basically storms in there, shoots a suspect where he has no jurisdiction and they promote him. <laughs> but, uh, that's Jack Bauer for you. The power hour. Right.
0: Yeah. I, I think next week's good. Cause like, um, you get it like the cliffhanger is sort of like, it's, it's a bit shocking, positively shocking. I, I mean, it's not as good as this week, but it's still a, a solid episode. Um, we are going to get some crazy stuff, uh, pretty early this season. Uh, May or may not be breaking the uh the streak of uh limited bins that I've had for a while. <laughs> but um yeah, I think we get some we get some good stuff next week. And um we get to see Debbie for the first time. Leighton Mester. Come on.
1: Oh boy. Get
0: on my screen, Leighton. And I'm just saying this right now. I'm not being creepy. She's a year older than I am, so even back then when this was airing, now. she was, no, Colin, she only became a year older than me like last year. Um
1: Well, I was wondering, like, is, was she, how, how how late in her 30s was she playing 16-year-old girl here? This is
0: 2005, <laughs> so she would have been 18. Uh So uh, I can still perv on her now. I was 17 yeah. back then, so, you know, I'm allowed to. Uh, <laughs> like
1: 18 is your limit, Waterworth. 18 is <laughs> too
0: old. Ugh. Gray hairs by then. Uh,
1: look forward to all that excitement uh when we get there next week. Uh, we are still. No, Breaking Bad is wrapped up now, yes?
0: Breaking Bad is finito. Uh, finito. Aww, sad what a, day. a sad palmer. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say that we do still have, if I'm looking at my calculations correctly, a couple more episodes of Lost to go. So uh, we will be uh, very close to ending that. Breaking Bad, actually, Colin ended last week looking at my uh, scheduling right now. so uh,
1: And what are uns?
0: Uh Yeah, you loved every second of it. You're our only <laughs> listener. But uh, <laughs> yes, from Breaking Bad ending to Lost ending. So very soon it will just be 24 because I'm not starting any TV shows again soon. ER, coming soon. That one listener, when you start paying me, I'll do all 15 seasons of it by myself. I'll sit there and I'll gush over Carter for 12 of the 15 seasons.
1: Join us next week to talk about Carter uh, and then maybe we'll fit some 24 stuff in when we can. My name is Colin and spare me your sixth grade Michael Moore logic. Fuck
0: off. Uh, And my (laughs) name is Ben and I'm not comfortable doing this. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on facebook twitter and instagram as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time